Hello and welcome to another episode of Something Rotten. We are deep in Metal Gear Solid. We are in the middle section of Metal Gear Solid 2, which is going to go from Peter Stillman's bomb disposal to Emma's sniping mission and everything in between, but maybe not beyond there. Uh, my name is Jacob Geller. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Blake Hester. Good morning, Jacob. We've been getting a few emails and comments recently asking, is Metal Gear 1 and 2 a rotten game? And look, jury's still out. We'll have more to say when we finish these games. However, I'd posit they're great additions for the Something Rotten canon based on my current feelings for that nasty little boy, Hideo Kojima, and the works he makes, which are rotten. I have <laughs> impure thoughts of, how, of anger towards him. The rotten relationship between Blake and Hideo Kojima only deepening. Blake, I was thinking... I was like, should we have like a, a thing, like a tagline for the podcast to be like, welcome to something rotten about because people are always asking, like, what's what does it mean? And I'm like about the rotten games and us little freaks who play them. I don't know. There's a show description on podcast apps like read <laughs> that says what the show's about. Yeah, OK, that's like, it. Come on, <laughs> everyone, yeah. please read. Um but we are so excited, tagline or not, to uh, to welcome our guest for this episode, uh, someone who Blake and I have referenced on the show before and are both uh, big fans of individually, a YouTube person, game composer, uh, all-around, you know, multi-artistic talent, Thor High Heels. Welcome. Hello. Hello. It's me. I'm here. Thor. Uh, Thor, you made a video about Metal Gear Solid literally yeah. like as we were starting planning for this season and it just felt like it was like yes finally we have okay. a reason i'm sorry if i spoiled the whole game then nah, don't worry about <laughs> it don't worry about it honestly it was it was a really good because the the video was like kind of on like the weird yeah, bonus yeah, yeah. modes and shit and so it was like not it wasn't just like here are the things that happen in the yeah. story but it was really good at both showing these modes that neither of us are going to play, like we did not do the VR mission <laughs> shit for MGS1, but also like I don't think either of us realized the depth of history that was like available on MGS2 yeah. until at least I didn't until seeing you go through it, which was like mind blowing. I did not know that that much was out there i had no idea either i'd also never played the vr missions i was like oh man who cares i never checked <laughs> yeah. out any of the the bonus stuff and i was i was always kind of curious about it because i'd seen like screenshots in magazines of it and you being able to play as like the cyborg ninja and stuff and i was like okay well maybe i do want to know what's up with that and uh yeah it was it was well worth the look because there's apparently a shit ton of content there yeah the stuff you showed where you can just like use a free camera and go through every level and then they're like design yeah. bibles and mgs2 substance it's like one of the craziest things i've ever seen included in a video game i mean i guess they they have those like karateka <laughs> things which are like you know interactive documentaries yeah. now but just like shipping a game with your design bible and all that shit is like unbelievable especially for konami which i think has always been kind of weird and cagey had no clue any of that stuff yeah, was out yeah, there. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised people don't talk about that shit way more often. Yeah, I wish more stuff like that existed. Because that, that, like, document of MGS2 thing is very detailed. And I, I only learned, like, I'd say, like, a week ago about that, like, Karateka thing and stuff like that. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is, like, this is that. I, I want more of this. Exactly. That Karateka thing is super cool. I think it you yeah. really got to love Karateka to get a lot out of it. But it also <laughs> is one of those things where, like, I didn't know what 
Karateka was. I, like, I know Jordan Mechner, but Karateka is too deep a cut yeah. for me. But you play through it, and you're like, oh, this is clearly one of the most important things to come out in the last year, yeah. just because preservation is so bad. But then it's like, damn, Konami kind of did it 20, 22 years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, because it's like the Karateka and Atari 50 and whatever, you kind of get the feeling it's like they exist because, like, there's no one around to fuck around with the rights for these anymore. You know, it's just like one guy who can give you his notes and then it works. And I do think that it's kind of it's like, hey, they didn't put that shit in the new Metal Gear collection. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I do think that they've kind of were probably a little freaked out by the transparency and like backed off because like I don't think that's you know that certainly hasn't happened with the other ones as much as Kojima has talked about them we've never got you know that level of yeah, access probably also would have been very hard to remaster all of that because the assets on the PS2 disc are obviously of PS2 asset quality so they'd have to refine everything again and scan in all the notes again and get like higher res versions of it so I think I, I get why they didn't do it, but it's still definitely worth, like, checking out. Also, something we didn't talk about last episode is, like, MGS1, as far as, and the remaster collection, which is what we're playing, as far as I can tell, just a bare-bones remaster of the game. MGS2 yeah. launches the PS3 version. Like, it launches and the Blue Point logo pops up, which is very strange. Oh, yeah. And with, <laughs> I guess none of that was included with what Blue Point did, but it doesn't seem like too much was done other than being like, I guess there's a touchpad on the PS5. We should add that text in the game. So it's <laughs> right. a super strange thing. Yeah, I saw people post clips of that. They like re-recorded some of the codec tutorial lines to include like button prompts for like other consoles, but then it like desyncs the audio a little and it's like really messy. So when looking at that, I'm like, okay, well, the things that they did change or add are kind of janky. That doesn't necessarily fill me with a whole lot of confidence about the future <laughs> yeah. collections. But okay, hey, we'll see. hold on. You bring that up. Jacob, when we were playing this, did you notice when Colonel is telling you how to swim that some of the voice lines sounded different? Yeah. Like, almost like they were AI? I'm not implying they were AI. I have no clue. Oh. Dude. It no. Was... Well, also, I, you know, from what I know about the rest <laughs> of the game, it may like, be fitting. It, I've only noticed it once, but Colonel's voice lines, it would be like every other one would just be like a completely different tone. No, that's that's interesting because I was going to say like for the most part they were just saying like push the action button, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. which isn't like console yeah, dependent yeah. and so that worked, but I didn't I didn't notice uh that weirdness, but I'm sure that uh, like I believe you. Dude, it was so weird. It it would be like it'd be like right in to swim, press the action button to go up and down. <laughs> Point the camera up and down. And then press the action button to swim in that direction. It was fucking with me so badly. That is really bizarre. I mean, there is... I, I don't want to... I'm thinking about the kind of level of history here. I don't want to romanticize uh, any era of uh, game development and games writing because, like, it's all been bad in different ways. But that being said, I was doing a dive on, like, some of the writing about Metal Gear Solid 2 last night and I was like losing my mind at how interesting and how much access there was. Thor, have you ever read the stuff um the the interview with Agnes Kaku who was like the sole uh, translator on this game? Years ago, yeah, I kind of skimmed through it a little bit. I'm I'm terrible at reading articles. 
It's like a lot of text. It's a little overwhelming. <laughs> but I have a vague idea of what's in there, yeah. And it's like this one is particularly bad because it's on Hardcore Gaming 101, which is a, a <laughs> site that the records like don't or it's like the the site does not function anymore. Yeah. So you need to go through archive.org and then like the formatting on the page breaks and whatever. But it is this unbelievably transparent interview with this this like woman who is 24 at the time who translated the entire game with no oversight was paid five thousand dollars for it and like didn't sign an nda and so she can just say whatever she (laughs) wants and not only can she say whatever she wants she gave like hardcore gaming 101 her entire working files for both metal gear solid 2 and ghost babble which is like so fucking crazy to just be like look they can't tell me to do anything yeah Uh, the unfortunate thing is those files i think i mean maybe you can do a deep dive and someone's back them i'm sure someone still has them the funniest part of that interview and jacob i was a little curious why you were like blake you gotta read this thing i saw the files i was like that's interesting but she pops off at the side of her neck about Kojima's writing. Yeah. And it was yeah. so... That's what I know about Like, it, yeah. yeah, I think I have a slightly more charitable take on Kojima's writing than her. But it was a little refreshing to just have someone be like, I don't know, he kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it was wild. I thought, yeah, so I was, I was messaging Blake last night being like, you gotta read this. This is so yeah. Blake-coded. And I think part of that was that she said... She was talking about how, like, it just feels that video game storytelling is so much behind everything else that video games are doing Mm. and was kind of just like, can you just read a book? Like, can you just read any book? And the problem with video game writers is they don't read books. They only play video games and then they write these bad stories, which is something that, like, we have talked about before. (laughs) And I think Kojima's issue, at least back then, is I didn't get the sense he only played video games i i got the sense he only watched movies but they were only like shitty action movies which is something she's like this dude's bruckheimer like wants to be yeah. jerry bruckheimer well he probably ahead, watches bro. like a lot of dumb movies but maybe there's also like a bit of loss in translation there that's kind of the impression i get sometimes yeah like, he, he like takes influence yes. from movies or like he uses a song with like lyrics that has like some words in it that match the theme but the song isn't really yeah, about yeah. that but he's just like no like i just like how it the few words that he knows, he's like, yeah, no, this this fits. And, you know, to, to Kojima's credit, because I also, from that article, read, like, a seven-page Tim Rogers interview with him uh, while he was making uh, Three, which was also, it was, like, it was such good Tim <laughs> Rogers writing where he starts and he's like, my goal of this interview is to uh, have Kojima let me wear his glasses. <laughs> and then it's like, he's kind of talking about Kojima's glasses. But like, he talks about how much Kojima read. And Kojima says at one point, he used to read three books a day, which is like, well, what does that mean? Because that's not... Um, but uh, there, the other thing that was really interesting in that interview was she was talking about... Um, uh, konami and kind of the the rules of the project being extremely strict with like not allowing her any more space like no more text boxes to write things and japanese is just a way more dense language and so you can like fit more information into fewer characters and so like a lot of there is a lot of translation stuff that like even even if she didn't think the original script was kind of dumb, which it sounds like she did, it was like, I literally cannot fit the things that you're saying into the 
text box that right, I am allowed. Yeah. And so, like, there's just a lot, you know, I, and I, I will say, I'm really enjoying this game and the writing of it, but, like, it is fascinating to hear someone be like, yeah, the reason that it sucks is, you know, like, these three things about a game that is widely considered you know, like a, a towering achievement of the medium. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that was very common, though. Like, there's a reason, like, a lot of PS2 games have, like, really awkward, truncated acting sometimes. It's because they had to fit the voice lines into the space set by the voice lines of the original Japanese. So they have to speed up how they spoke or slow it down just to fit it. Stuff, A lot of stuff like that. It is interesting, like, I, the, the interview gets in this a little bit, but, like, the first game was translated by Jeremy Blaustein, who, like, as far as I understand, worked at Konami Japan. Like, I think he was on yeah. the Silent Hill 2 team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, the interview, I think, misses that part when it's talking about all the access Jeremy had to, like, design Bibles and the script and everything. But it gets deep into how, what's her name? Agnes, right, Jacob? Like, she had nothing. Like, they wouldn't let her, like, like, she was, like... She lacked the context of the entire game and was basically just, like, translating a, effectively a yeah. Google Doc. Which yeah. is, like, I wonder if that leads to some of the stilted shit. I'll say, compared to MGS1, I unfortunately, dear listener, I'm not really enjoying this game either. It's just not landing for me. But I do feel like, I don't know where the credit lies, the acting, the translating, the writing, probably a mix of all. I do feel like I am enjoying the actual storytelling in this game way more than the first game so it's interesting to see her like reflect so negatively on the experience because i'm like i don't know compared to one this shit is kind of hitting for me in some moments yeah but, but i can imagine if, you, if you're working off of like a proverbial google doc with no insight to anything right. and you have all these weird restrictions that that's and, and it's like a massive script as well i can imagine that you look back at yeah. that and go like man fuck all this like <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah. and there was, you know, it's like we talked about it a little in the first episode, but it's like there was a huge backlash to this game, including and there's so much in that interview about like, has Metal Gear Solid jumped the shark? Mm -hmm. And I was like, on the second game? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think you get to say that when there's only been one that you think is good. I know there was like the Metal yeah, yeah, Gear yeah. series before Solid, but like, you know, now and, and we have this conversation with seemingly every Metal Gear game other than three, which I think was very well received upon release, but like, you know, four people were like, he's fucking lost it. And then five was like, it's, it's out of control. And it like, you know, we keep having the same conversations about if this one is bad. Yeah. And then like 10 years later, we decide that it was good. When did the interview come out by the way? Cause Kenji Ino is still alive, but it didn't seem super old. I think it was, I think it was like five or six years after the game released was the impression okay. i got maybe maybe like four years you sure because mgs4 oh it's you're right sick. um yeah. okay i'm i'm pulling it up we'll see it's not the most important thing don't worry about it I'm just... well, Th thor one thing that i am curious about and this is this is just oh it was 20 it was 2011 um was when the interview was um one of one of your things on your channel is kind of finding like weird japan exclusive ps2 yeah, games yeah, or yeah. ps3 games and kind of going through them first first question do you speak japanese no not at all so what is your experience kind of like do you just kind of muddle your way through those things have you kind of figured out strategies to make it through when you don't speak the language uh, well as a kid i had a a playstation one that had like a mod chip in it so i could play like burnt disc 
And so even back then, I would sometimes just get discs of games that were in Japanese or whatever. So that kind of endeared me to that whole experience of just kind of just like blindly exploring something I don't really understand, quote unquote, and just kind of like making my way through it that way. And what I do in the videos is just simply report my findings. I'm not really trying to be like super like actual factual about it. I'm just like, yeah, no, this happened and then this happened. And I don't know what this is, but it looked pretty cool. So that's just kind of how I do it. But I usually play them for like a couple hours and then I get stuck and it's like, okay, well, that was good enough. I have my fun. What was, what was like the first way that you played the the Metal Gear series? Uh, did you, did you start in English? Did you start when you were a kid? Like what was, what was your kind of exposure? I started to? with Twin Snakes on the GameCube, the remake of the first game. Hell that's what yeah. I started with. And then I got MGS2 and I was just stuck on a tanker for a long time. Because I was a dumb kid and didn't know what I was doing. And then I saw that there was a Metal Gear Solid on the PS1. I was like, ooh, what's this? And I bought it. And then it was just the Twin Snakes, but it was ugly. And I was so disappointed. It was old. <laughs> I was like, man, what's this? I hate this. And then I sold it and again. You're like, he doesn't even do a rocket kick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was legit my reaction. Uh, but that and... and from then on, I just kept buying them as they, they came out, basically. You have an entire retrospective series, too, yeah. that listeners yeah, yeah, should yeah. go look at. That's like, correct me if I'm wrong, is it every single Metal Gear game? Basically, yeah, yeah. I talk about, like, the PSP stuff and the mobile games. There's, like, an yeah. N-Gage Metal Gear Solid game that I talk about. I talk about pretty much all of it. Did you do Survive as yeah. well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta go watch that one. I haven't seen that. that, that I got I'm so curious about that game, but don't want to play it. <laughs> Did Jake ever talked about the time I was assigned to work? Did Polygon was doing the story um, where they wanted to know who worked on Metal Gear Survive oh, from the Metal Gear F Solid Five team, and uh, me being a lowly freelancer, my dear friend Matt Leone, who I'm sure is not listening, so I can indict him to the fullest extent of the law here, was like, "I don't want to play that game. I just need someone to play it and get to the end credits and." catalog every name in the credits so we can compare them to the end and that fell on me did and you let me, really let me tell you what happened that game i couldn't get a pre-release version of the game which ended up working in my favor that game i found inscrutable could not deal with it <laughs> i fucking suffered through like a day and a half of it and then finally someone on youtube uploaded a full playthrough and that's how right i, I was credits. gonna be like that's the solution <laughs> yeah and then at the end of the day i still messed all the credits up and polygon had to do a bunch oh, of dang. work fixing my spreadsheet <laughs> but nevertheless you know i was like 23 at the time cut me some slack i know our friend uh surreal vasquez who's been on the show I think I think he actually played through the whole thing and was like the end boss of that game is kind of crazy though yeah. for reasons that are like almost completely inscrutable. I played through the whole game. I sort of like it, not in a I enjoy playing it all that much, but just in a in a just beholding the absurd spectacle of it and where the game goes and just how much they do with the the no budget that they had. And it goes to some strange places, and you can tell that they were really trying to write it sort of Kojima-y, but weren't Kojima, and so there's a lot of like, oh, the, the funny, silly robot makes a pee-pee-poo-poo joke. But it's, it feels very uh, uncanny, the entire game, and I kind of like that about it, but it is definitely not the best. Didn't Masahiro Ito do a lot of designs for that game? Yeah, he designed one monster for it, which is that big worm oh, thing that's gotcha. kind of like roaming about. <laughs> gotcha. Well, look, if, you, if you're going to ask Ito to make one thing, ask him to make a big worm <laughs> yeah. thing that roams around. Uh, though I don't think he designed the big worm thing that roams around in Silent Hill 3, so 
interestingly mm. enough. Well, that one, they just looked at a picture of male anatomy, and they were like, well, I know what I'm going to do with that. <laughs> Come on. Um, one, one other thing that is both kind of related to the interview with the translator, and also I just want to bring up because it's so weird. Um, one of my favorite YouTube videos of last year was by the channel GameChamp3000, who usually does, like, uh, kind of challenge runs, like, can you beat Mario without jumping oh, right. or yeah, whatever? Yeah. Um, but she released a video that was about Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babel, which is a Game Boy game where you just kind of do a bunch of little missions and then you do all these missions and then there are a bunch of like extra bonus ones and they're weird and they have like Donkey Kong in them and stuff. But then the last one, like when you beat the last one, which is she reckons an achievement that basically no one did, it says like, hey, good job. You're finally ready for the mission, Raiden. And that game came out before Metal Gear Solid 2. And so it was, like, technically a reveal that Raiden was there. But just, like, because no one ever played that far in the game, it, it, like, it didn't mean anything and no one talks about it. It's wow. like an alternate universe, too. So it's kind of like, it's it's like an alternate universe Raiden reveal before the actual Raiden Yeah, it's reveal. like technically non-canon. Yeah. Uh, very very weird it's just it's just funny to kind of go back and do these things and metal gear solid has so many threads yeah. that you can kind of pull it apart forever that being said let's talk about the game um the when last we left off we had just met peter stillman a bomb disposal expert uh and uh fat man a a guy had put bombs all over uh big shell and they're going to blow up and send it into the sea. And so we went off to find them. And that's kind of the first bit of this game here, which is just kind of this weird scavenger hunt that seems designed to kind of get you to go into every, like, section of Big Shell. Because it's just kind of like, it, it it's this very interesting design where it's just kind of like, there are like eight rooms, and each room is d divided from the others by this, like, long kind of, gangplank that you walk over and it's like i guess it's just a good way of letting you get to know it and then they they put all the bombs in the weird places but like i thought it was kind of fun just because it was like a little offbeat and i don't think it's very like challenging to make your way around mm -hmm. these places and so it was just this fun little like explore the weirdo areas they've made yeah if i feel like similar to mgs1 we're just dealing with the set piece generator and I, you know, it's your mileage will vary based on whether or not you enjoy the set pieces. I did like this one a lot. Finding the one in the bathroom was really fun for me. And then uh, going into the room with the vamp was in, and then be like, put the room back the way it should be, and then you find it behind the door. I was like, that's all clever shit, Jacob. With this section, which was considerably longer, and Thor, you having beat the game, I'm curious your thoughts. Having to record a podcast about it that ostensibly will talk about its themes and everything were you struggling with a bit a bit with the, a lot of this section just being like this is just mgs1 again and where do i sink my teeth oh, yeah. into what's happening and then granted we we hit the misinfo campaign later but i spent a lot of this section just kind of floundering being like okay yeah. where do i get to the substance i guess pun intended here uh -huh. uh, i mean for me it's like so long ago since i first played it that it's hard to say if i struggled with it like you just mentioned like there's a, a hint there it's like put the room back as how it was i yeah. don't even know that because i just instinctively know where the bomb is so i just <laughs> yeah. i just run through the whole big shell and do all the bombs i mean i guess it's got me like wondering like a more direct question here is like i'm i'm kind of spoiled on the game just like 
I have a vague idea of what the game is about. But like, if you were playing this with no preconceived notions of this game, like, how do you think it would hit you? Just being like, wait, this is literally beat for beat the first game. Yeah, yeah it it it's kind of it's it's one of those things that I feel like is maybe hard to hard to put ourselves in that headspace, like in retrospect, because I think. I would be so thrilled. I think this game is so much more fun than Metal Gear Solid 1. I think it controls so much better and the like enemy interactions are so much more interesting that I think I would actually just kind of be like, oh my god, it's like, you know, it's like that part in MGS1, but now there's like so much more depth to how I go around it. God, yeah, I wonder. Like, because I feel like I'm the opposite where it's like because I know to expect something... I'm charitably like, okay, here's the, here's, here's the Nikita section. We have to do all this again. But I do feel like if I didn't know something was coming, I would be really thinking this whole thing was like very rote by this point. Just being like, what the fuck are we doing? The Nikita and the electric hallway. That was the part where I was like, it's just this. Like we just have another electric hallway. Um, a lot of my notes from the section are kind of on, like, random little pieces rather than, like, big structural things. Like, my my first my first thought is, Rose is fucking dumb. She thought King Kong was about the Chrysler building. Yeah, uh, did you Did you get this? Idiot lady. Come on. Come on. Uh, where it's like, you know, but it is one of these things that, like, Patrick was talking about last week where it's like, you call Rose and you just have a conversation about, like, their relationship that's completely not related to the game. Uh, but it's like, she thought it was King Kong climbed the Chrysler building, and Raiden was like, no, you're thinking of Godzilla. And then they laughed, and Raiden says, we watched King Kong a bunch of times that night. And I was like, you watched it a <laughs> bunch of times? <laughs> It's a good movie, but it's not a <laughs> which, it's not which a actually three in was a row. <laughs> it was one of my biggest laughs in that section because I don't know I don't think this was intended, but I was crossing the bridge where there were claymores, and I had gotten a call just before that was like, "Hey, they're claymores. Yeah. Be sure to use the minesweeper." But then I got that call from Rose, and I was so distracted that I just <laughs> walked right into the mine and exploded. Hey, I, I, I here's here's where my MGS one knowledge worked out for me. I did not have the mine detector, and I was like, "I bet if I go prone yeah. and crawl, I'll just pick up all of them." And by God, Bro, that worked pro for shit. me. Uh, the thing that made me laugh the hardest, though, was a really tiny mechanical thing where I tried to somersault up a staircase. And, of course, you can't. You just yeah. fall. And I thought that was I thought that was a brilliant little touch. Shouts out, Kojima. You did a good you one. What's really interesting to me as well is, like, taking it back to, like, the, the repeating of the things MGS1 does. I have played, like, all the games in the series and, like, Metal Gear 1 and especially Metal Gear 2 do all those things, too. The Nikita... The, the electric floor, the gas mask, the 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 mine. Someone calls you and is like, uh, hey, Snake, there's mines here. All of that is in those games too. And it's also in Ghost Babel. So when you play the whole series in order, by the time you get to MGS2, you've played like, like four games that are all basically like that. It's very mysterious. It's like they had like these these like design ideas and they kept iterating on them slightly and doing them over and over to, to kind of get to like, the best versions of them or some shit it's kind of fascinating to see. yeah isn't also like metal gear solid one is also doing a lot that the original metal yeah. gear was doing yeah right like oh yeah i think i think that's what thor was saying it was was like metal gear one yeah, oh, metal gear I like, oh, did i say solid yeah, I on accident okay i'm sorry if i did no i think i did it right 
Okay, so how how we feel about that? Is that a bank is that bankruptcy of creativity or does I don't know. If you were a long long time fan at this point by the time MGS2's reveals hit, yeah. do you think that like lands so much harder? Well, I I feel like it is it is kind of the the conflict of this game is like is it interesting to make Raiden do to make Raiden pretend to be Snake and do all this shit that Snake did is like I I think you can read that as very intentional and I've got more more notes on kind of like specific things but that falls apart a little if it was also in Metal Gear 1 and 2 yeah. because then it doesn't feel like it's it just feels like they only have like four ideas and they put them in every game yeah I mean we're obviously gonna have to circle back next episode when we like have the whole picture but it's something I'm like constantly wrestling with or I'm like is this smart or fucking stupid <laughs> which is kind of the Kojima experience really is playing one of his games be like ah you smart or dumb right now I don't um, know I, I, a part that I actually I really liked kind of thematically is you're doing this bomb disposal thing and you keep finding bombs in weird places and Stillman calls you and is like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would he put a bomb in yeah. the bathroom? Like, that's not a structural place. And then uh, Pliskin uh, is is also finding bombs. And, like, he finds the real ones that are, like, in the support legs that would actually destroy it. And it immediately feels like, oh, Snake is getting to do the actual mm -hmm. shit. And we're running around finding these bombs that are, like, completely meaningless. And I do, I feel like they are kind of, like, uh, forgive me, they're, like, cucking Raiden in his own <laughs> game, you know? Like, they're not letting him do the cool things. I didn't even think about that. That's really interesting. Also, like, think about MGS1 calling to save. Maylene gives you some, like, inspirational quote to be like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm out here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do yeah. this. And then Rose just berates you yeah. for being a shitty boyfriend. <laughs> Rose is like, you never let yourself get close to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th Jacob, that's cool. That's why we pay you the big bucks. Good, good thought there. <laughs> that's right. And so then, uh, gosh, there's there's a lot that happens here. Somewhere along this line, you get okay. So Snake discovers the real bombs. Uh, we need to get to the other bomb. Uh, Raiden. He's not going to be able to do it. He has to go take out Batman. Stillman says, I can do it. I can run. They're like, what are you talking about? You have a prosthetic leg. He says, no, I actually faked that I had this prosthetic leg because I was so ashamed that I wasn't injured in this bomb explosion that I like I failed to defuse a bomb. It killed a bunch of people and I pretended that I was like hurt by it. What? <laughs> I don't know what to make of this plot point. Jacob, luckily, I'm here to help. It's bad writing. <laughs> yeah. It's just bad the writing. Fact that all happens, like, in a call as well. She's like over the phone, mm -hmm. like, oh no, I was just kind of full of shit. I'm going to do it now. And then, like, <laughs> he's just kind of gone after that. It's like, well, okay. I also like it's so. And this is this is a place where it's like I fully believe this is just kind of like cliches, and it also feels like it suffers a little for like the English condensing of totally, it. Yeah. Where Rose calls you after, and she's like, "What the fuck was up with that guy? Why would he lie about that?" And Ryan's like, "You know, we all have our own secrets." <laughs> and she's like, "Ryan, you're right." Then <laughs> like, just kind of resolve it. We're interrupting this broadcast to let you know that something rotten is dead. We're doing what? Starting immediately, something rotten is done. Finished. Gone. Bon voy freaking Oz, Jacob. This podcast is now a Leo Vader 
FanCast. Every week, we're covering all the latest, hottest, and juiciest news about the Minneapolis movie maker. And if you've seen him, you best believe there's plenty of hot news to talk about. We're, like, as much as I love him, we're not going to do that. Uh, but if you like Leo so much, have you considered signing up to Nebula? To what now? Nebula. Nebula is this wonderful streaming service run by creators with exclusive videos, podcasts, shows, the whole nine yards. I'm on there. Leo Vader is on there. Blake, you're on there. Is that what these checks are from? My God. Okay, here's the deal. When you sign up to Nebula using our code, nebula.tv slash something rotten, you get immediate access to early and ad-free episodes of this show and exclusive bonus podcasts featuring guests such as Noah Caldwell-Gervais, Gareth Damian Martin, and Chris Bratt. You also get access to Nebula's entire catalog of creators and content, and your money goes directly towards us making the show better. Do you think Leo feels about me the way I feel about him? I think a better question is, does Leo know you exist? I've literally pooped in his bathroom. I would sure hope so. How how are you, Thor, when you play this game, when you yeah. played it a million times, do you have, like, a lethal, non-lethal, stealthy, guns blazing, like, do you have kind of a typical way that you run through it? Yeah, uh, with MGS2, I usually just put it to very easy mode and just, like, run through it and just murder kill everyone and throw people off of the bridges and, and choke them out and whatever and just have fun with it with the when, when you get like the ak and just running around shooting and shit i play it very much rambo mode uh it's also with, with the, there's a few bosses near the end that are quite difficult on normal and stuff like that and so because of that i'm usually like nah, i don't want to i don't want to deal with that this time so i just said it's very easy always it's different. It's different per game, but two is two is a very easy game for me. Very easy mode. Jacob, are you killing people? Well, that's that's kind of that was my next note here. Is I had been tranking everyone, including like I non lethal uh, Olga, yeah. which I guess you have to, but also like Fat Man. Um, but I I was using a pistol like a you know the SOCOM to take out one of the UAVs, and then a guy saw me. And without switching, I just shot him in the head. And I was like, well, there goes my no-kill run. And so and then I've been a little more uh, generous with it. I'm still I'm still tranking everyone. Uh, but the sniper section with Emma, I realized you don't have to play that. You can just call Snake and he'll do it for you. And But he kills people. So I'm wondering well, if that is, will There is a me. trank sniper that you can yeah, find. Yeah, but I just didn't want to do it oh right because <laughs> you have to keep taking the diazepam i guess it's not diazepam in this game but whatever it is um and then you call snake and he's like don't worry bro i got you and i was like all right <laughs> easy done so i don't know if that's going to count against my no kill run because all those dudes fucking died well and did you also did you did you non-lethal like vamp mm-hmm. yeah. wow i i grenade launched his ass <laughs> no non-lethal it was really annoying it took forever <laughs> But we appreciate your approach to pacifism. Okay, but uh, here's something I've been wondering. There are all the the, the, the monologues when you kill bosses in the first game. Are those just not in this game? Or because I'm putting them to sleep, they don't have their death monologue? No. Okay. Okay. It's not really like that. Yeah, I was confused, actually, because I non-lethaled Fat Man, and then he still was like bleeding when i yeah. and i was like I, I i could literally see like 20 trank darts in his head because they stay there and so he was just roller skating around and he was just like a pin cushion 
yeah, but then after the cutscene, he's asleep. You know, they just don't want to make two cutscenes. Yeah. I don't know what to yeah, tell you, Jacob. You just, you just Lim- limited memory on those DVDs. Um, okay, yeah. So uh, Raiden disarms one bomb, but it was booby-trapped, and that sets off the other one. Um, and so Stillman is like, I got to go down there. I've got to do it. Um, there's a microwave trap, which is something that comes back in four, uh, mm. cause there's a big microwave hallway in that game. Um, but actually this was one of my favorite parts of like, like characterization is that Stillman blows the fuck up. Stillman just like dies defusing this bomb and Raiden starts freaking out in a way that I thought was like, I was like, I am getting this character where it's like, you know, snake hardened uh whatever unfazed by everything ryan had kind of been pretending to be that and then when stillman dies he starts calling like campbell and rose and he's like we are so screwed our guy died what do we do and i just like i liked that he was it was kind of showing that he had only done vr missions and had no exposure to this sort of thing oh yeah no yeah he's definitely kind of a bit more uh player stand-in-y in some way you're supposed to relate to him more but i feel like maybe that kind of backfired a little bit at the time because all the people oh this guy's like a it's like a wussy he's not cool like snake but <laughs> but yeah no yeah no yeah he's definitely more human than 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 snake is who's just like a gruff cool guy who doesn't give a fuck about shit and right in no do y'all feel like there's almost in the the game script the expectation of all the player disappointment for Raiden. Uh, I I think that he is certainly supposed to seem like lesser, you know, yeah. like like that he's supposed to seem kind of less cool. So I feel like it's it's the weird thing is like they probably expected people to think that he was kind of a loser, which seems intended, but not be so kind of media illiterate that they then thought the game sucked because they made them play as a guy who was less cool sure i just uh, occasionally i get the sense that it's like i feel like they knew not the backlash right but like i feel like the game is written around like the disappointment of raiden in ways that i find very compelling he he is supposed to be kind of like a second fiddle to snake yeah yeah Yeah, exactly like it, it would be so easy to just make snake the hero again and him be doing even cooler shit than the first game but like i like the idea that raiden is as jacob so eloquently put it getting cucked mm-hmm. throughout this game <laughs> yeah i uh i i was playing some of this with annie sitting next to me and she she snorted when raiden says priority my yeah. butt they're all in danger <laughs> about the hostages <laughs> where it's like he really feels like he's gonna get mad at dad but yeah. he's still afraid to like use curse words before you fight Fat Man, um, you have this uh, this boss fight against Fortune, which was kind of unexpected. Mm-hmm. Where you have to you have to go down to one of the struts to defuse one of the bombs, and then Fortune shows up with a railgun. And I I do you just wait this one out? Is there like something to do other than just kind of waiting? Because I was trying to not kill her, and then eventually, no, yeah. like Vamp just showed I mean, up. She she she. If if you listen to what she says, she's like expecting to see Snake, and she's like Snake put me down kill me that's not snake and then raiden mm-hmm. can't do it because he's not snake i think that's kind of the the idea that they're playing with there so yeah you do just kind of have to hide and, and 
be right and, and just kind of sit there. I do. I do really like I like her design so much. And maybe that makes me just like her character yeah. more. But I uh, some of the lines she has where it's like lucky in war and nothing else. And it's like, oh, that's why you're called fortune. She she tells Raiden, uh, you've seen the fires of hell, haven't you? Which I thought was a weird line because I was like, well, Raiden hasn't seen anything. But I guess he was like a child soldier is kind of his his other backstory um which is maybe also a reveal like he he keeps not telling rose anything about his childhood um but i really like the thing that happens afterwards which is that he's shooting at her and vamp shows up and one of the bullets just swerves around her because all of the bullets swerve around her and just hits vamp in the fucking head and then she's like very sad even though vamp is totally fine but i just like the idea of kind of vamp catching a stray because she is she can't be hit by bullets for some reason i like that it stays in his head for hours <laughs> yeah. Yeah. later cutscenes, it's just still there he's just rocking it like a piece of jewelry dude rocks i love vamp uh he's a cool guy and then we go up and fight fat man uh man's on roller skates yeah. can you and believe he has a it? wine glass with him too Oh yeah, and oh, like a straw yeah, with a right? straw <laughs> in it. How dare you? I'm an artist. Oh. And he throws it on the ground. What's going on with this dude? His, I don't know, but I like, love that scene. It's so what wacky. What are we doing? Because he gets like built up. Like Stillman is all like, "Oh, he was bullied, and I care for him, and he was he was like a son to me." Then he appears. He's this wacky. This <laughs> is wacky guy on yeah. roller skates. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's like he's like a kids next door villain. Yeah. Like he just. Um, he had a line where he said he used to hang out at department store counters, and I was like, what? I don't understand the connection to the rest of his character. I don't know what that means either. I missed that. I missed that. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, he says he, he hung out at, like, a store of, like, a clockmaker, I think, is what he mentions, and he watched him, watched oh. him make clocks. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And that's right. how he got yeah, yeah, okay. infatuated he... with bombs and, and stuff like that. Okay, maybe I misheard I think him. is what um, he said. I, yeah, that's, uh, there is, I mean, there's, there's a lot of his dialogue that I do think is actually fairly clever in the, like, talking about the nuclear bomb way, because it's, you know, like, the, the unsaid thing is like, okay, Fat Man is the name of, like, the, you know, nuclear, one of the nuclear bombs dropped on oh, Japan, and I so he says, like, Fat Man and Little Boy, uh, see Oppenheimer in theaters <laughs> now. Um, it's not in uh, but he says he says like he's the greatest humanity has uh, has to offer and the lowest, which is like an interesting thing to kind of talk about, you know, the nuclear bombs with. And so it's like there is there's cool stuff going on there, but his character is so almost like overstimulating, yeah. you know, <laughs> he's because he's just so much. Yeah, I feel like that's a a common thread in this game where it, I don't know. I the trademark style is like of course fat man has to be yeah. so much but then it's like where is the substance pun not in <laughs> good time but like at what point are you overshadowing the substance you know what i'm saying like i don't know and maybe i just have fucking idiot brain but like when a guy's on rollerblades and being that goofy like sometimes it's hard for me to pay attention to like the nitty-gritty yeah. of what they're saying and that feels like sometimes a common problem in this game it's like there are really interesting ideas in it where like especially when we're going to get to the arsenal misinfo campaign which i think is like really cool and people have talked about a lot but it's also tucked into like 20 minutes of people talking about the 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 uh what are they called the liberty the the, the Patriots? Patriots. The Patriots. And it's like, I don't give a fuck. And so it's like, 
sometimes all this stuff is like too hidden under like espionage or like humor that I think uh, an editor would have stripped back, you know, like fat man would not need to talk about clocks for 10 minutes before we get to like what he has. That's interesting to say. And I think like, it's an unfortunate part of this game that I think some of, by the time I get to what I like of it and what I actually want to think about and kind of unpack, I've had to sit through so much shit. I don't care about because Kojima has so much in his head. He's like desperate for you to like know that he knows. Yeah. I'm like fucked up in this sense, I think, because like a mm-hmm. thing Jacob mentioned earlier of like video game writers, they only play video games and don't read books. I'm kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, well, I like Kingdom Hearts. I like the Yakuza games. I'm so yeah. used to like weird tonal shifts like this or like really odd dialogue or, or weird voice acting that it just kind of phases right through me. I don't even notice it anymore. I'm just like, yeah, you know, this is Metal Gear. Like Fat Manny has the wine glass. He talks about his thing. You get into a phone call in the game and it's like two hours long. It's fine. I like it. <laughs> I agree with you. Like, it's a tricky thing because if you take away all the goofy shit of Fat Man, like, the game starts to lose a lot of its, yeah. like, trademark, right? Like, there, there is, like, there. we remember Fat Man because he's fucking weird, not because he has interesting things to say about, like, nuclear yeah. bombs. But I do think those things, like, run up against each other when you're, like trying yeah. to actually sit and unpack the game and it's like i don't know the solution would just be to play it a second time and then all it's pro- the- yeah it's probably a lot to all take in in one playthrough i, I can definitely see exactly that. i think it's also like kojima his first two like big games that he like wrote and directed were like sort of like visual novel adventure games point and clicky sort right. of games like snatcher and police knots where you can examine the couch and then learn about the company that made the couch and the technology of the space couch and this and that and i think he just never stopped writing that way so it all, but it's not an adventure game. You can't examine Fat Man, so he just has to say all of it. Yeah, and I think I mean it's like I have been I've been waiting to read the kind of analytical essays on this until I've mm-hmm. beat the game. You know, it's like I want to read um, Ed and Reed's articles on it. I want to read Harper's article. You know, it's like a lot of people have had a long time to reflect, and I think part of part of the challenge is like you know taking it all in the first time and trying to turn it into something yeah. meaningful especially when like i'm not super clear i mean it's like i have ideas but i don't know exactly where it's going to end and so it's like i'm looking forward to getting that uh that hindsight from other people mm-hmm. i think it can also be difficult to like know in the moment what is okay to like strip back when thinking about this game or it's like mm-hmm. it's like i don't know the the patriots i get it shadowy cabal that runs the government but it's like do i need to be thinking more about that do I need to be thinking about more about Fat Man's wine glass? Like, what is it I need to sink my teeth into here to get... Right, yeah, you don't know what's important yet. Exactly, yeah. like, to get to the meat of Kojima's ideas, which, like, if you're playing a Kojima game, he has so many fucking ideas about everything <laughs> that it's, like, it's hard to know which thread to, like, pay the most attention to in these yeah. games. I also, I want to read a couple quotes from this Tim Rogers story on Kojima because he talks about both, like, writing it and what he kind of thinks of games as which i think is like really interesting and so uh he says at one point 
The story of Metal Gear Solid 2, Kojima claims, is not a postmodern literary statement. It's merely a jumble of things inspired by current events, infused with characters from Japanese giant robot animation and action sequences from the writer's favorite American movies. It's inspired by the times and engaging to people living in these times. It's played as a game to reveal storyline bits which spur the player to play more. Um, so it's like, I do like the idea that he's like, it's just a bunch of things that I've been thinking yeah. about. You know, like... And and kind of be maybe because he made it in a very postmodern time, it it kind of becomes postmodern almost like through nature of that. I really got that impression from that document of Metal Gear thing, and also seeing like all the things that the dev team had to say about the game too, and how they reflected upon it. There's a lot of stuff in that game people attribute to being like oh, it's kind of like forward thinking or this and that, or like well he predicted things or stuff like that, but. No, a lot of that was just stuff that was already kind of happening back then and kind of in the public conscious. And he just sort of wrote about it and had some thoughts about it and had fun with it and wore his influences on his sleeve and, and just kind of ended up with a, an interesting game in that sense. But I, I fully agree with what Tim is saying there. Yeah, yeah. he also there. There's some really weird. It's again, it's weird playing this game 20 years after it came out and reading some of these quotes where he says, um, uh, Kojima agrees with them. Games aren't literature, he tells me simply. Games are experiences you have. The most important parts of games aren't the works themselves. The DVDs containing Metal Gear Solid 2 will someday deteriorate, and the PS2s to play the games will vanish. Um, he says, uh, here's where... Here's where I want to say that Metal Gear Solid is a game that someone will be able to play in 20 years and appreciate. Uh, I know, however, that Kojima will deny it. He's told me he does not intend for the original Metal Gear Solid to live on. That's why a dream team of writers and game designers are working on narrative essays that will be collected into a book about Metal Gear Solid that explains how the game made each participant feel. Ooh. I don't know if that book ever came out it may it, maybe it's just exclusive to japan yeah but it is so weird that he's talking about these things being like they are passing they are temporary you know it's just about like moments which is not how our i mean it is kind of how the industry operates yeah. because we're terrible at preserving things but it's also not because i'm playing the metal gear solid hd <laughs> collection <laughs> Uh, That's interesting. Anyway, uh, fascinating. I, I don't know if it, those it, books exist or not. I have no yeah. idea. And uh, look, all I can say is I hope they're written by uh, other people writing about Metal Gear Solid and not Kojima, because as we've <laughs> said, uh, we have his book and it's not good. Okay, but here's the thing I keep running into, Jacob. You, you're striking at my fucking the thing playing these games. I can't get past. There's a lot of genius shit in Metal Gear Solid games. Sure. It, it, there's a lot of genius shit in Death Stranding, one of my all-time favorite games. And yet, what did you just say about Kojima's writing? It's fucking dog shit. So it's like, how do you even talk about that? How well? Do you understand I think, what I'm saying here? Yes, I I think that he is actually, unlike Agnes, who said that he's like not good at characters and kind of derivative with plot lines i think that conceptually he is a really interesting writer mm. and thinks about things a lot i think that his book is bad because he's writing about other stuff that he likes and he is not really able to articulate like insightful thoughts about those but i don't think that means that like he's not you know i i am enjoying like i think there is a lot in this game that i am like really into from a narrative point of view and i do give him credit yeah. for that but like as i i've my feelings i've said numerous times is like i do think conceptually he's great like he has really great ideas but the moment to moment of it 
I find so rough sometimes. Yeah. I don't exactly know what my question mm-hmm. here is or talking point is, but it like they these games have become impossible for me to even think about because I'm constantly wrestling with the creator, which is maybe the fucking point. Like he's making a sequel about how sequels are annoying. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe yeah. he wants you to fucking be mad at him in some way, but it's like Yeah, and and it's worth saying even in that interview he was like you should write in bold font, no more Metal Gear games for Hideo. And it's like he didn't want to make three. Yeah. But then he did. And he, he said at one point he kind of conceptualized the series like James Bond, yeah. where it would just be like Snake is a character and different people do different things with him. Um, And so it is, it, you know, he, he does seem somewhat trapped. You know, it's like he's trapped in the medium because he talks about like, well, I wanted to write books, but like I couldn't think of anything new to write in a book that someone hadn't already done. And so that's why he's making games. He wanted to make movies. It was really hard to make movies, you know, and it was easier to become a game director. I'm not saying that, like, games are his third choice, but it it doesn't ever feel like he thought of himself as a guy who would only make video games, and certainly not video games about the same characters, you know, just, like, five of them in a row, or or nine. Yeah, you, you can tell from, like, Metal Gear Solid 3 the most, but all of them kind of have this. Is that... You can tell that there was a desire to make something that wasn't Metal Gear, but just kind of had to be crowbarred into the Metal Gear canon and framework and and whatever to kind of fit in there. But but he definitely wanted to do more other things as well, I'm pretty sure. Um, Let's talk about some of the the interesting uh, mechanical stuff that happens here. There's There's a room full of hostages, and one of them has a pacemaker. And so you've got to find, you've got to both dress up as one of the guards, find an AK, smash a dude's head against the retinal scanner so you can get in, and then find, have, get like a directional mic. Also, you can go and like listen to a bunch of guys' heartbeats and one of them sounds different. And I thought, this is great. Like, I love that shit. Yeah, this this shit rocks. It's so fucking funny, dude. <laughs> I, I love... Yeah, the, the heartbeat thing is actually something that they did first in VR missions in the first game. There's, like, a mission there where you have to find a, a criminal, and he's, like, nervous, so you have to listen real up close to him to, to, like, scope out his heartbeat of who is anxious, and that must be the guy then. Oh, wow. It's kind of fun to see that then reused and kind of, like, built upon with, like, this whole big idea and context around it with the mic and... and and the retinal scanner and stuff like that. This, it's really neat. This moment also introduces one of my favorite little things in this game. Because it's a directional oh, microphone. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Yeah. You'll often have to use it to listen in to conversations. And as people move around, the subtitles will get smaller yeah, yeah, yeah. as they get quieter. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's fucking brilliant. It's so did cool. Y'all, uh, did y'all hear the pooping guy in that, that scene? No. There's, you have to listen no. to... It's it's after you find the guy with the pacemaker, and then there's like it's like uh, Ocelot and Olga and uh, Solidus. They're like talking, and you, you monitor them with the microphone. But if you veer way off to the left, you can hear someone taking a shit in the bathroom. You can just listen to the whole thing. <laughs> of course, I missed that, <laughs> and that's why it's a ten out of ten. Folks. Exactly. Um, so we find out some of the. Uh, the the plan here like ocelot uh liquid ocelot's plan because also uh yes obviously it's like they say so raiden is obsessed with snake not being dead and campbell and rose keep telling him that he's dead 
and they're like, we exhumed Snake's body. DNA showed it was him, but he's missing his right mm-hmm. arm. And I was like, I put this together four hours ago. <laughs> but uh, so like, yeah, Liquid's arm on Revolver Ocelot. They've got a plan to detonate a nuke in the atmosphere over Manhattan to create an EMP effect, basically wipe out all the electronics and then create Wall like Street. a home base there. Yeah, kind of like the end of Fight Club, if you think about it. Here's the thing. I... I I currently live three miles from Wall Street. I think we should do that. Frankly, <laughs> you ever been down there? <laughs> I think just go for it. I know this game was saying maybe this is a bad thing. I'm here to say good thing. Let's do it. I'm on, I'm on board. Blow them up. I, I you know I like that it is just kind of a a take it. I mean it truly is. It's very it's very Tyler Durdeny. It's you know like take it back to zero. You know let's go back to to primitive man where we can all hang out. What do you think Kojima thinks of Fight Club? Let's get it. I bet he this. loves it. He would. He fucking. What do you think he thinks of guts? Polynix other masterwork. <laughs> I'm sure he's read it. Someone should ask him about it. Okay, then there's another there's another little um, uh, little mechanical thing here where you get the sniper, and before you have to shoot any person with it, you've got to shoot a bunch of bombs on a bridge. It's kind of fun. I like that there's one behind you and there's one attached to a little drone. I yeah. dude, I was so hard headed in this moment. I was like, no, I did this in MGS one. I'm not backtracking for this fucking sniper. And so I used the pistol and I shot all of them. <laughs> them oh finally, my god! And then, well, except for the one on the drone, and I was like, "All right, I'll go get it." But I was, I was refusing to the last possible second to. I go mean, that back. seems like some speedrun tech, right? Like they, they probably don't never get the sniper. At the very least, the hey, walk no, isn't well, that far in the big shell compared to yeah, Shadow Moses. It's really not that bad. But also, I don't know how you would do that Emma section without. The sniper. I think, uh, actually, if you don't have one, there's just one there. You can pick it up right away. Oh, so I didn't have to backtrack. I should have I stuck <laughs> in my guns. You should have kept at it. You could have yeah. kept at You're it. You're that yeah. little meme of the guy turning around right before he hits the diamonds. <laughs> That's yeah. you. I, I, was, I, was, I was so mad. I was like, you were not making me do this. Uh, but that fucking drone, too much for me. And then immediately after this is actually a a part that i really like oh it's a boss fight but it's also like a story boss fight where snake is like we got to get out of here i've got a helicopter you know i'll come pick you up and um campbell and rose are just yelling at him that it's like he's not snake and even if he is snake he's the leader of a terrorist group and you can't trust him and raiden is like Look, you know, I just feel he's kind of doing the anti VR training. He's like, there isn't a logical reason to this. You just got to trust me. I'm here. I'm like boots on the ground. And I know that this is solid snake. And so he's kind of he is he is adopting snakes, uh, snakes philosophy of like, you have to be there in real life and feeling things and trusting your gut. Um, And then fucking uh, who should show up? But a man who claims to be Solid Snake and David Hayter screams from the helicopter, <laughs> no, that is not Solid Snake, which I was like, I was like pumping my fist. I was so excited. Yeah, that's like an iconic, iconic voice line now. I said, that's the fucking president. I I've, I listened to the post credit stinger. Yeah. GS1. They'll come to find out. Motherfucker had to resign. But I was like, I'm about to kill the president. That was okay. So this is I thought this was going an interesting path. You're searching for the president. When Solidus shows up, I'm like, oh, the president's here. 
Turns out that's not what actually happens. But for a moment, I thought it was really interesting that the game's final boss was just going to be the president of the United States. Yeah. But, I mean, you well, do kill. The, I mean, you do kill I, the president. Like, you do end up on. killing the president, but wasn't um, as cool as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and he has he has like a muscle suit. He can kind of like like bulk up and whatever. Um, so he's Solidus. Uh, he uh, he jumps onto a Harrier, um, and then you fight the Harrier in what I thought was honestly a very sick fight. It rocked. It was so cool. Head empty, no yeah. thoughts. Good boss. That's fight. it. It's cool. How did? On, on like a non-lethal, how did you trank the Harrier? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> but, they don't, but they don't die at the end of the cutscene, so the game yeah, had yeah, my yeah. back. <laughs> Harriers don't have souls. They're okay. And then uh, Metal Gear jumps out of the water and catches it. And I was also pumping my fist at this point. And Vamp starts running on the water. And it feels, it's like after a while of like not doing that much big stuff in this game, this is like a big scene that really got me yeah. going. Um, I love that the robot makes like like dinosaur sounds and stuff. <laughs> we had a whole discussion about this last week where Blake oh, was yeah. like, why does it need to roar? And me and our guest Patrick Willems were both like, because it's cool. Yeah, it's I'm good. not I'm not denying it's cool. I just think for a game that over explains everything, it's missing a 20 minute explanation of why Metal Gear roars. So I think in MGS5, there's like this whole stuff about like, evolution in peace walker 2 about like how like creatures came out of the ocean and learned to walk and became bipedal or bipedal they say both across various games i'm not sure what the pronunciation is um so there's some something there about like evolution and stuff like that uh but also it was probably just cool it is cool i'm not gonna take that away from them it's cool when it roars i like a good yeah. metal gear i think we should also, make them in real life but... when it roars then it can catch the harrier yeah you know yeah, yeah. it's got to be able to open its little mouth no it's not the opening of the mouth that is the okay. issue jacob i understand why that it can open its mouth that's fine it's got a laser beam yeah. in there the roar we have to acknowledge needs some needs some more needs some more yep. workshop Shop. um okay so there's there's some more stuff that happens here uh ryan gets pissed on uh we all have a good chuckle at that um it's like that scene in american it's like that scene in american pie one where stifler gets peed on from the top balcony at the party was that a good thing to interrupt you to say jacob what are you glad yeah well when did american pie come out because I mean, <laughs> it was Kojima before this for sure it. it was before this for sure it was like uh, 98, yeah, 1999 Damn. He, he finished making Metal Gear Solid 1. He saw American Pie. He said, I have an idea. <laughs> we need to make a second I think game. what's cool about, the, cool about the piss as well is that like there's like a demo build of MGS2 that has like this whole sequence where the boat blows up and Snake has to escape from it and has like water physics in there. But they scrapped it because Kojima said it wasn't fun and also had like a lot of technical issues. But those water physics, they did not go unused because right there. Yeah, it's like, that's real piss. A full display. Got the P stream. Got the P physics. They did it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of P stuff in these games, yeah. huh? There sure is. Yeah. They, really, uh, they really luxuriate in Emma pissing her pants oh. uh, about an hour later in this yeah. game. Well, that's to remind us that she's, you know, Otacon's brother. Who also famously pissed his pants. It's, it's oh, thematic it. piss. Otacon's sister. Um, okay, so this happens, but I feel like we we got to just, like, take a step back here. We got to talk about the Patriots, because that's, like, that's the the next big thing that happens is you find the president. Uh, the president gives you a little dick tap, 
uh which you know whatever <laughs> um but but then we we he he tells us about the patriots which is essentially the illuminati that it is it is like a cabal of incredibly powerful people who are above the government and they control everything that happens and the government and all of the positions in it are just fronts to make it look like this stuff is happening when in reality it's all it's all controlled by the patriots um blake this was something that you referenced as like what the do i need to know about all this it's getting in the way of my cool misinformation what parts of this did you like and what parts did you not i liked the part where the president said Mm -hmm. he's a pawn and i was like that that checks out i you know that's cool uh-huh. I don't know, like shadowy cabal Illuminati shit. It's a it's a victim of playing this in 2023. We've gone through so many, so much of this garbage that I'm just like, it doesn't do much for me personally. Um, I am more interested in the president explaining his role in the country because of the Patriots. I thought that was pretty fascinating, but like unpacking, like who could these ten men be that control? the government and finance and the news cycles i'm like all right i got it i get it it just i don't know it just wasn't super compelling to me i don't have anything smarter to say about it um i just think there are more compelling things in this game's espionage than the idea of the illuminati yeah i think it's sort of cool that like the president is just like some like dickhead and he's like like, i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i don't get it yeah (laughs) and he also kind of like admits that he's like just like not not great as a guy and you see that he's not great as a guy because he gives you a little dick tap and he's like, okay, what what are we doing? What, what, what is this? <laughs> Hello, sir. It's, uh, you know, uh, there's themes there. There's stuff in the um, the design document too where, where it like literally like boldly states like the greatest evil in the world, the president of the United States. Like it just says that like flat out. I mean, <laughs> it's like, okay. whoa, okay. Thor, I'm glad you brought that up because this is something I wanted to touch on. In this cutscene with the president, the president effect well tries to make right and kill him. Yeah. And then Ocelot kills him. But effectively the president wants to die. And in the game, the president of the United States dies. And in Death Stranding, there is a moment where correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a few years, Norbert Reedus effectively is like, Damn president, you feel that bad, huh? I guess you should kill yourself and gives him a gun. Yeah, and you just dump her in the trash and then the incinerator and shit. That's oh, like the well, first no, thing. But you you're do. thinking about well, because you're thinking about, like, Die Hard Man, right? Right, like, I'm at thinking the end, about the end oh, of the game. Yeah. yeah, 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 but I forgot in the beginning of the game, the president died. Yeah, well, you're the, you're the president of Jack shit. Yeah. The right. best line ever written. <laughs> exactly. How can we say Kojima's a bad writer? <laughs> exactly. Right. You're right, you're right, you're right, right. I take it back. But the end of that game, you can, I guess, read it as literally as you want, but there is a moment where Sam is like, damn, why are you crying? I guess you should die. So, I mean, there's a running thread throughout 20 years of Kojima being like, like Thor just said in the design Bible, the greatest threat to the yeah, world. Yeah, there's like a few things. There's like, there's like uh, nukes are bad, uh, poop and piss, and like America <laughs> is, is scary and, 
I don't really like it as an institution. Those are like the three sort of core themes that are in basically all of his games to varying degrees. And it's like, hey, guess what? You're never going to go wrong writing about how American politics are yeah. fucked. Like, you're, you're never going to yeah. be off base. That is something I disagreed with Agnes a bit on. She, like, really pushes back on Kojima writing about American politics because he's Japanese. And I was like, I don't know. Let the man cook no, a yeah, little bit. Like, I'm pretty sure Japan's been pretty fucking affected yeah. by American <laughs> politics. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think they're yeah. allowed. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It's 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 pretty interesting. Like we talked a little bit. Like when nine eleven happened, Kojima was like really worried about this game coming mm -hmm. out. He says he wanted to cancel it. Um, it all, there were several things changed yeah. in the game. Surprisingly, and ultimately, little, though, the... um, sure, yeah. Y'all haven't gotten there yet, but there is stuff in the game where like, damn, they. If this was like, if this was GTA three, they would have been like sued to shit, and and it wouldn't have got, sure. the game would have gotten banned or some shit. But not nah, it, just, it just yeah. got away with it. Well, so it's interesting, like the thing people being super mad about in this game was right and none of the political stuff. It's like this came out a few months after nine eleven, and the president like this is peak. <laughs> we love Bush in America. Yeah. I mean, okay, it's not you get what yeah, I'm saying yeah, for yeah. certain parts of America. No, it was. I mean, his his uh, approval rating was like eighty percent right. after nine eleven. Like it was the and most popular he ever so was. One of the biggest video games of the year comes out. And it's like, well, the president's getting fucking shot on screen, mm -hmm. and the dude also sucks. It's like, some wild shit, like some undeniably I respect it type shit. Um, it is one of the moments in this game that I was like a bit gobsmacked by, just like considering its time and place and culture when it came out. Were you also reminded of a friend of the show, Leon S. Kennedy, who also shoots the president? So I was going to bring that up as well. <laughs> <laughs> Leon Kennedy does murder the president in Resident Evil 6, which is also <laughs> one of the coolest moments in video game history. Yeah, I I have, like, the, the idea of... There's stuff in this that I really like, and then there's stuff in this that I find is, like, almost... It, it, it's like missing the point or whatever because it's like so we find out there are t there are two major things that the president tells us one the patriots control everything the government is a scam or a, like a, a front you know all of that two the way that they control everything is effectively through misinformation that they they control the flow of ideas and because of that they can keep everything in line they suppress things that they don't like they promote you know other things in favor of it the whole idea of big shell being a cleanup operation is like fake news mm -hmm. you know um and and what they're doing with arsenal gear which is the what big shell actually is is like this supercomputer that is going to control all data and is going to, you know, like, like nothing will be allowed to escape the the level of influence that the Patriots have. This is the stuff I found very fascinating. Um, I don't particularly think it's Kojima predicting the future. I think people just, <laughs> gamers need to read more books. Yeah. It's like propaganda existed before the internet, quite famously. Um, but I do like this idea, and, like, Kojima is clearly... Like a lot of media coming out at this point, I mean, uh, another uh, example that I think came out the same year, Pulse by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, has this like incredibly cynical view of the internet and what it was going to do to personal connection. And like, it is fascinating to see this game and its writers thinking about like how the internet will affect the news cycle 
and how it already has because we see like snake should be he is a cult hero of sorts but like they're wanting to influence the news to make him an eco-terrorist to turn the tides against him which goes against the objective facts of the story i thought that was a really fascinating way of thinking about the internet and it's like incoming influence and widespread like dissemination of information you know like within five years the internet would just be where everyone lives effectively um and like him thinking about like yeah you don't have to print a web page it doesn't take 12 hours to print to write you know the like production is like vastly changed to get news out there to people um i thought was really really fascinating especially playing this in 2024 you know having gone lived through america in the trump presidency where fake news became this just like fucking meaningless thing um yeah so that's that's kind of like it's that idea that is like the the conflict in my head because what i what i have a problem with and i think is is kind of always the thing that i take issue with in like political espionage writing is like i always think that things are not the idea of these massive secret things happening i think is this like weirdly almost optimistic view of politics where like you know Uh, if we just talk about like the illuminati you know where it's like i had i had a, a high school english teacher who i loved who once said like the president of the united states had oral sex in the Oval Office, and they could not keep that secret. Mm -hmm. You think that, like, thousands of people across the globe are, like, keeping this massive thing secret, and, like, no one can find it out. You know, I think it's, it's the same kind of, like, QAnon thinking of, like, the world is a puzzle box, and if I figure out all the clues, then I can solve it. Uh, It is, like, a a type of conspiracy that I think is just, like, very naive because the reality is like they're saying everything Mm -hmm. they're doing you know it's like it's not actually hidden i 100 percent agree with what you're saying jacob and the like not perfect counterpoint is just like well right but a game that unpacks why passive voice and news writing is damaging to how we view like catastrophes and like terror is not interesting narratively for a game you know what i'm saying so it's like i think i Great. I work in journalism. It's game journalism, so it barely counts, but nevertheless. <laughs> um, but, like, I think I'm going in it with that background where it's like, okay, yeah, I, I don't think a shadowy cabal is news blasting out, you know, this fake news. But I am thinking about, like, when we're seeing the Israel-Palestine conflict right now, the way organizations are covering that, which I don't want to call it misinformation but they you are using passive voice to change the way people think about who is dying who is you know inflicting damage who the oppressor versus the you know a lot of intentional word choices and and things like that exactly thank you thor Um, and it's that's what i'm i'm sorry jacob that's what i'm grabbing out of this more so than like you know i get what you're saying and maybe I'm sorry, I'm just kind of repeating myself. No, but it's, I, I mean, and and you're right, and it is this really weird fine line, because, like, hey, mm-hmm. guess what? Israel showed that fucking propaganda snuff film, like, in Raleigh last night to, like, yeah. a bunch of city council members. And so it's, like, it's not like giant government propaganda campaigns are not happening. It's just, like, we we know, like, the weird Trump fake news thing 
was like he could just you would have all of the evidence there and he would just say no that didn't happen and everyone would believe him and it wasn't even like the news was being suppressed although he was very like anti-journalist but it was just kind of like he could he could define reality for his supporters just by saying it and that is also the case for for Israel for like whatever other issue you want to pick and so it is this kind of like it's both like a smarter and dumber future that Kojima is proposing here of like, it's like we need to do the cover-up, where in reality it's like, I think the cover-ups are largely unnecessary and Arsenal gear like is being created just through like, you know, Silicon Valley algorithms of just like deciding what people want to see and then showing them more of that. And so it is like... I, this is, it is so fascinating in, like, you know, sci-fi is as interesting in what it gets wrong as, like, what it gets right. And so I think that this is, like, a really cool cultural object yeah. for, like, the specific view of the future of 2001 compared to, like, where we are now in the future. It is also one of those things that, like, you run up against, I think, with, like, what what would you call it? Technophobic-type sci-fi around this era, where it's, like, mm-hmm. the cynicism around the internet often misses the importance of the internet. And, like, there's there's undeniable value to how quickly news can get out in the world these days. You think about, like, when natural disaster... Granted, now Elon's throttling how many tweets people can send, but when natural disasters happen, like, go to Twitter to get the news, especially if you're in that affected area, that this game completely misses the value of that, and, like, that makes sense. That's probably less interesting narratively or just not something Kojima wasn't thinking about Twitter at that time. But I think there is, like, an undeniable cynicism here that misses, like, the counter-arguments. Does this make sense? I don't exactly know where I'm going with this. I actually, I somewhat disagree because i think the the reason that they need arsenal gear (laughs) thor this is we'll talk about this forever so please jump in um but like i think the reason that they need arsenal gear is because they were like hey the fact that snake is alive and a hero got out there because of the internet in the past they would have been able to stop this but now they need this like super you know supercomputer to stop it because the internet is disseminating information faster than the sensors can yeah i think there's things that would drastically change this conversation if y'all had beaten the game so <laughs> maybe, maybe there's some stuff you can hold. You can hold yeah, out on. We, we will just Yo, repeat this conversation next. Because it, it'll get if into anything, a lot of this, things. Though. This entire podcast, I think, has been building up to this one conversation. But yeah, J- Jacob Thor, help me out. What was the news stuff in Rising? Wasn't there a similar plot point? Uh, I've only played Rising, well, Rising like two times. No, there, there's memes. Okay, I, he, the guy says memes. I know yeah. there's, yes, there's I a mean, guy who's it, like the, the good old days of 9-11. I know that's a quote yeah. in there, but I forget the, the exact context of those quotes. I mean, it was it was essentially that Armstrong also, who's the, the big bad, you know, senator. Yeah. He did also want to control the news media, um, you know, and and he was kind of kind of doing so. And and, you know, Ryden references that like uh the shit he's pulling is going to be like WMDs in Iraq where it's like they're telling. So I I don't think, I mean, the, the idea of memes in that game is sort of, I think this will be another example of like being able to talk about it more capably after next week's 
episode, but like it's doing the same thing. I think kind of interestingly what Rising is doing is like almost so much closer to our reality in just like mm-hmm. they're not talking about a giant shadowy cabal they're just talking about like what senators are doing um and so I, it's it's an interesting game should we play that again maybe a bonus episode we both play it i've i've day. played that game one million times but hey i, I do you know, love how I'm... ridiculous that whole like monologue is that armstrong is like it's so over the top and it's, there's so much in there's so many quotes it's it's so good it's, it's so it's so good one of the best moments in a video game also politically the most confusing shit i've yeah. ever completely heard. incomprehensible but Jake, also it rules i remember i was talking about this jacob one time where it's like armstrong will say one line and you're like yeah kind of and then he'll say the next <laughs> line and you're like oh wait wait no 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 no, no, no. it's like i think I think that makes, you know, but it does make sense in the same way sure. that, like, like you know, the right will use class consciousness yeah, as yeah, a yeah. way to, like, cudgel accusations of racism. You know, they'll be like... They'll, like, quote MLK, but very selectively and, and yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I, I don't think that his incomprehensibility is actually like a problem for the scene, but it's like, yeah, he does not have a coherent philosophy. Exactly. Uh, that game not written by Kojima. No, I wonder what that that guy's no. also written. We can um look. We can talk to our guest next week about that because I've actually had discussions with them in the past about this very thing. Um, yeah, it's great shit. Um, gosh, yeah. So so this is all you know. Arsenal gear is meant to keep the world as it is. And and there's this other big theme here where, like, something that the president says, which is very weird, is, like, he acknowledges that the Patriots are bad or, like, you know, it's it's probably bad that there's the shadowy cabal. But he's, like, but the power vacuum would be worse, you know? And so he's, like, you can't take them out because then the world would just fall into anarchy. And so it's kind of this, like, humans need to be controlled sort of message that you're getting from him and i agree <laughs> blake blake would just just plug blake into the matrix he's ready <laughs> law and order you know that's my that's my cup of tea um gosh so then after this it's almost like going going back to like solid ground after this is a little disappointing because it's like this it's is so actually you don't really go back to solid ground huh? <laughs> uh, 10 comedy points very funny um <laughs> where where it's like it's like you get into what it feels like the game is about and then it's like okay now go go and fight vamp in like a you know a water room or yeah. something yeah, yeah yeah um well here's the first thing that i i just want to call out before i've played it is the president gives Raiden a disc to quote-unquote deactivate arsenal gear and i was like i know what that shit does i played metal gear solid one (laughs) the thing where snakes like great i turned it off and liquid's like no you turned it on one of the Uh, funniest moments in a video game so time will tell if that uh, if that happens again um and so the rest of the section is just kind of about uh emma uh what's vatican's last name emmerich etta emma emmerich who is also working here and knows how to like do some computer here's, stuff here's the shit with emma where i was like get to the fucking point i don't give a shit that she's scared of water i don't care what kind of fucking chopstick she has in her hair. <laughs> i look like look great i love character development as much as the next person emma means nothing to me i don't give a shit 
that she moved to England. Why did her father die in the swimming pool, by the way? (laughs) That makes no fucking sense. Kojima, (laughs) I'm around. If you want to hire me as an editor, dude, you need an editor. This game would be three hours long after I was done with it. But but it's, it's lacquer chopsticks. It's, it's all the rage right now. Don't you, don't you need to know and that? I don't give a <laughs> shit. Here, here's uh, here's my uh, my my main edit that I would make with Emma is uh, if you're going to have Ryan hit on her constantly, don't make it look like she's 11 yeah. years old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what d- the fuck is going on? Uh, there? J- Jacob is different culture. You can't can't criticize. That. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> can't criticize that. Um, that was another section where Annie was sitting next to me on the couch, and she was like excuse me when he was like he was like you should wear contacts and it was like, no when he said that i was like oh rose gonna be mad and then when i went to save rose was like are you fucking kidding me and i was like that's good writing that's good stuff right there oh, and then there's this whole conversation did you get the conversation with rose about how Raiden wouldn't let her into his room. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah why is he, and it, does he and it implied, implied that he's like hit her? I, I wasn't she yeah. said yep. it was the first time you raised your hand against me, so I didn't know if it was the threat of violence or actual violence, but it was like Gah. and then we find out that Raiden sleeps in an empty room yeah. with one bedroom and one desk and nothing. There's else. a the, the Metal Gear Solid visual digital novel, something it's called like that. It's like it, it was a comic book and then it became a movie for the PSP and it's on the HD collection y'all have, I think. I'm not sure. I think it is. It kind of goes into that a little more, but like in a very, very weird way where it like shows Raiden and Rose at home in their apartment in Manhattan and it's like really awkward. Um, and, and then it characterizes Raiden very differently as like this, this standoffish asshole who talks in like a 80s action movie accent. He's like... <laughs> I don't care what you say, Rose. It's really odd. Uh, also, does that mean he has a second normal bedroom in the apartment? Yeah, or do they just not sleep together? I don't know. No, she was because she was like, you wouldn't come in the bedroom to sleep with me. You were in your bedroom. The relationship is, oh, yeah, is very got, odd because it both feels like they've known each other for a long time, but it also feels like they don't know each other at all. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of a point, I think. But I'm also yeah, not yeah, entirely maybe, maybe sure what it's trying to say. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I I agree with what Patrick said last week that it's like it feels like a whole other story that you're experiencing. And I do kind of get excited when I save and then Rose says something and I'm like, oh, here we go. Here's some like weird relationship drama. <laughs> but it is I I have no idea where it's going to resolve. We're in sort of like drama movies, like a trend at the time. Sort of like rom-coms and like like movies in yeah. that kind of tone of like like problematic relationshipy, big romance sort of movies. Maybe Kojima just I saw mean, that and he was like, "I'm gonna put that in a game." They <laughs> they are named after the Titanic. Yeah, characters. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So oh God, they are. Oh, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Jack and Rose. No. That's right. <laughs> Blake Patrick brought this up last week. Yeah. <laughs> You, you got to edit that out or it sound like you won't weren't listening. Oh, yeah, of course. He, this is a Titanic character that I knew. Yeah, it's no um, big deal. I, totally. I don't even know yeah. why you brought that up, Jacob. I already knew it. <laughs> that, that's, I, uh, just, we, I'm we just making clean it. edits. Just clean Good. edit points there. Um, okay, here's – this is a minor point. It seems like there is far more dialogue than they had the budget for in this game because constantly two characters are standing next to each other and then will call each other on codec, which is 
it's just very silly well then you um, don't have to animate all of it yeah no i mean, hey look it's it's genius except for then we have to watch all yeah. of it happen the swimming section sucks let's just skip past it, it sucks uh i do like when you open the door and stillman's mm-hmm. dead body is there that's good a cool stuff, good bit stuff, good i like stuff. that there's a bunch of mines there like how did those get there? <laughs> Why? And, and Raiden is like, who put yeah. those there? And Snake's like, I don't know, someone. It's so bizarre. It's like those like underwater mines as well. Like they, they leaked into the. But would they not have gone off? It had they like like. Uh, right. Uh, it looks like they're supposed to take out a submarine, yeah. <laughs> and instead they're just they'll do like a third of your health bar. Um, Emma says that one of the pieces of knowledge that the Patriots have suppressed is uh, knowledge of 60,000 genes, that that human beings have 100,000 genes, but we think they only have, like, 40, mm-hmm. because the Patriots have suppressed the knowledge of the other 60. Where I was like, I, I, I don't know what, enough to know what that you means. Know, you know how earlier I was like, what are the parts you don't have to put as much stock into? This is one of those where I was like, ah, this is not important. Not going to worry about this at all. I was going to say, it definitely is. (laughs) 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 Horse. Fucking 60,000 genes, Blake, remember. God damn it. Um, I don't know gene is a theme um, of the game. But the the Metal Gear games have like all caps word themes. This one is gene. One of them is meme. Right, well, Um, is the... Wait, I thought the first one was gene and this one was meme. Uh, um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, probably. See, okay. Metal Gear Solid Gene. Gene. Metal Gear Solid Two. Meme. Okay. Metal Gear Solid Three. Scene. Ooh. Metal Gear Solid Four. Sense. Broke the rhyme wow. scheme. Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Peace. Metal Gear Solid Five. Race slash revenge. Okay. Is All it? Right. I'm um, sure. I'm sure. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, here's a part that I did like. Emma's scared of bugs, and so you can spray them with a little spray yeah. to get them to move, or uh, you can simply do what I did, which is put her in a chokehold and drag oh, her through I the bugs. I did not know you could do elevator. that. <laughs> oh, wow, that's cruel. I wasn't. I wasn't sure what button you were supposed to press to uh, like hold her hand, and so the first one I did was like square, <laughs> and it's just I'm like sure. I. I just I threw her over. I judo threw. <laughs> her and then i put her wow. in a chokehold well, it works jacob you were speculating if Raiden raises his hand yeah <laughs> yeah we, we have go. the answer there we go um and then the last section here is there's not much story that happens they need to get to a different strut of big shell but it is maybe visually my favorite part of the game so far because you leave big you're on the outside of big shell which is like a giant oil rig looking thing and the sun is setting and it is like it's so atmospheric in that kind of perfectly ps2 mm-hmm. way where there's like there's just enough detail without being too much it just looks awesome if you have your thermal goggles on too which i used uh-huh. for this section it looks so fucking yeah. cool with the sunset and everything oh, dude this section rocked it's awesome um and then you can just call Snake, and he snipes everyone for you. And that rocks, too. I wish that you could do that the whole game. Um, Thor, are there any uh, goofy-ass things you can do in the sniping section? Uh, there's a few Easter eggy things you can see, I think. There might be someone pissing over the railing again or some shit. There's something like that. I think you can also use the directional mic there to hear some things, but I'm not entirely sure. You can hear another guy taking a yeah, shit. Yeah, that part's like late enough into the game where it kind of stop messing around usually. So I know less about mm-hmm. it there because I'm 
it's also not the most fun section if i'm honest i just kind of want to get it over yeah. with most of the time but I, I do think there's a few easter eggs there i'm pretty sure and that's that's where we ended uh for for this week next week we are completing the game which i'm sure is just like a nice clean little wrap up and won't introduce no. any new <laughs> ideas or anything <laughs> um, nothing weird will happen uh, Thor, what is your what is your like ranking of the games, or like where does Metal Gear Solid Two sit? Uh, I know Metal Gear Solid Five is my third favorite one, and what place one and two would be either two or three, but which order I would put them in, I can never quite decide on. Because I love playing three, but I like two's whole like vibe and and story and 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 stuff more but i like playing two less i don't think two is, is necessarily always a very fun game to play which is why i played on very easy as i mentioned earlier there's a part in in your recent video where you talk about like the look of a hallway yeah. on like the tanker section and i got to that hallway and first i thought oh this is the thor hallway but i was like you're so right <laughs> you know in that like the kind of Whatever place in graphics it was where it's, like, there was, like, a ton of work put yeah. into, like, faking how the lights bounced around and stuff. But it just looks, it looks like a picture or, like, a bat painting as opposed to, like, a real hallway. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love shit like that. Like, it, it's definitely, like, a, a picture versus painting sort of thing where it's, like, well, if you have, like, a natural lighting engine, you can just plop a point light in there and it'll figure it out in the shadows and stuff. And there's, like, tweaking you can do there. And obviously there's a lot of work that goes into that, too. But they had to, like... Duplicate, duplicate like everything, and then sort of, so that, so that the mirroring is there, and then like, like, like balance the, um, the fucking like the the transparencies, that, so that you you can't really see it from from the outside, but it's still there. And, like, there's so much work that I had to go into, like even just making the railings in that hallway like reflect and stuff like that. Uh, it it is it is very much just like yeah, like a painter who who would have to know how like light bounces to like be able to draw it that way and stuff like that. It's pretty interesting. Do you remember this is off topic, but one of the things that they were showing off with the Fox Engine was just like a picture of an office yeah. and they were like this is this is made in Fox Engine and it looked, you know, perfect and it's like ah, oh, they're still just making cool hallways. <laughs> That's just what they do. I have to google that. I don't actually remember that. I remember seeing like a jungle oh this shit yeah 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 the the boardroom that they remade mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it's like straight up where they like that's like straight up the boardroom in their office yeah and they remade it yeah i mean the the tanker segment like reeks of like 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 tech demo sort of shit to me where there's like so much like the rain and stuff too and and the how the particles for the rain work how they're like caked into the model and how the the, the wetnesses work on the decks and like there's so much just like hardcore vertical slice tech demo like look at all this shit we can do in just this little segment because the big shell it looks good but none of it nothing in the big shell looks as good as everything on the tanker does it is really it it's it's like that um i can't remember which imsim guy said it but it's like make the city block game where it's like everything is you know you only do one city block but everything yeah. is perfectly rendered i definitely say there's like imsimi elements to metal gear games for sure you can shoot all, all the and fruits just, and shit too, and stuff yeah, like and that. Ju just kind of like the level of like, what if we put so much effort into every single yeah. room, and like, I I think that the the big shell part is less compelling mm -hmm. because the rooms just don't have that yeah. you know it's like i'm just kind of running through yeah. them and it's like sure the room where the boxes all move around is like fun but i never have to like interact with that mechanic no because you can just go in first person and shoot all the guys 
and then just run through it. You don't have to like, I think that's, so like I started with like Twin Snakes, right? It has the first person aiming that like two introduced and it completely breaks Metal Gear Solid 1 because you can just go in first person and, and pop everyone from a distance and then just casually str- strut through the room. And I think it's it's interesting that like two is like, it's like they designed the levels with MGS1 in mind and and then the first person aiming happened. They were just like, oh, whatever, like we're going to redo all this. It's very fascinating to see that same game that you think would be built around the first person aiming just yeah, isn't at all. I, I think that that totally like looking at it, it's like hey, that, and that's what happens when you have to make a game in three years, yeah. like of this scale. Because technically, if you look at it, like the, the box room is very interestingly designed in terms of what you can crawl under, you can move in synchronicity with the boxes so that they don't see you. There's a lot of stuff there, but you don't have to do any of it because you need to shoot all the guys. <laughs> um. Well, Thor, if you had to leave us with, like, what should we be thinking about as we play into play this next section? Like, is there a way uh, to kind of prepare ourselves? Uh, mm, trying to think of something that wouldn't be too spoilery. Uh, I'm just saying that, like, a lot of the stuff you were saying, Jacob, is, like, kind of on the right track. So maybe you can see some shit and you, and you can be like, like, oh, damn, okay. You, you can't, can't you, wait. You can be very, love very, very to be satisfied right. with yourself or some shit. I don't know. God, I hate when Jake is right. <laughs> that makes me so mad. Um, well, look, here's, here's a case where uh, both Blake and I were right. Uh, it rocked having you on the podcast, oh, yeah. Thor. Thanks. Thank you so much Thanks for coming for inviting by. Me. Uh, Thor, and dear listeners, I implore you all to go watch Thor's stuff if you haven't. Thor, if I may gush for a second, I think there are a lot of good writers in games. I think very few have unique voices to amplify that good writing. I think you have a wholly unique voice to your writing right. that is like so good. You are one of my favorite writers in games. Okay. Um, and I think about that free Yuji Naka song all the time. I think it's the funniest <laughs> shit. Uh, so it was awesome having you on. I'm a huge fan. So thank you it's so, so funny. Much. I'm getting people who are like, actually, yeah, man, let him out. And I'm like, well, I wrote it as like a joke. Like he, he's like kind of an asshole by all means. I don't know. He, he committed a crime. That's <laughs> yeah. uh, so funny. Well, um, well, we'll put the link to your channel in the description. Uh, are, you you created? We were talking about when Blake was going to pee. Uh, your your soundtrack for Umaragi Generation, which is one of my favorite game soundtracks. Are there any other like projects outside YouTube that you want people to check out? Uh. Mm. Uh, I did an album. It's on Bandcamp and Spotify and stuff. It's called Coconuts. It's pretty good. It's just under Thor High Heels. I'm very proud of it. It took like more than a year to make. I, I would I wouldn't mind if more people check that out, but otherwise not. Hey, something rotten army. Get in there. <laughs> flood flood that Bandcamp. I've had Oni Cham Oni Chambara Origin installed on my Ooh. computer for like a year now because of one of your videos. Maybe this will oh, be yeah. the impetus. I get to finally go play that thing. Which which one is that? It sure is a game. It's like it's um it's the girls. Uh, oh, is it the is it the bikini girl? Yeah. Game. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I love that shit. It, it, I think the Xbox Can't 360 wait. one is called like Bikini Girl Zombie Slayers. That like describes the whole series pretty well. Fuck. Yeah. Why have we why have we stopped naming games like this? <laughs> Bikini Girl Zombie Slayers. What else do you need to what know? What more do you need? Um all right, and uh thank you all for listening. Uh we will be back next week with the whole game. And until next week, uh Blake, 
can you can you ask me real quick is that solid snake is that solid snake no that is not solid snake bye everyone bye.